0: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me, a very special guest, Lindsey Brown, who is now the host of the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 in Las Vegas. But once upon a time, we were teammates at 1500 ESPN, and I am very happy, proud of you to be talking ball. And you are also Vegas' foremost hockey expert out there in Las Vegas as well. So I'm glad that things have worked out for you out in Vegas. How are you doing, Lindsey? What's going on?
1: On, I'm doing great. As you mentioned, the, the talents have certainly diversified for both of us since our, our glory days back at KTSP or KSTP. I don't even know anywhere, it seems so long ago now, but uh, I'm really excited for this matchup this week. I've been, you know, once the schedule came out and I saw the Raiders are getting the NFC North, and fingers crossed, the, the Vikings are going to be in town, and so. I've, I've gotten a few text messages on our fan line about who are you going to be rooting for? Who are you going to be doing this? I'm like, I'm a professional. I'm rooting for my notes. That's who I'm rooting for.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. But I think, I do think if Josh Dobbs leads them to victory, maybe you'll, maybe you'll have an eye twitch a little bit of like, uh, you know, the old days. But it's, it is funny to me, though, because I know you, you'll tweet clips sometimes when you're on TV out there or something. And the hosts are always like, so what's going on with this hockey? And you're like, okay, let me explain how this all works. It's very it's very funny because, I mean, of course, you leave Minnesota that can never win a championship. And then you move to mm-hmm. Title Town in Las Vegas, get to cover a Stanley Cup there. That had to be a cool experience, especially since you're the only one there who knows what's going on.
1: Well, I wouldn't go so far to say that, but I, I do have a few more bullet points under my experience in the hockey world for sure. And I will say as much as the titles have been won in this town, it's not without some uh, trial by fire because I show up to cover a team and then within six months their coach gets fired it happened with the with the golden Knights it happened with the aces it happened this year with the Raiders but uh yeah it's it's certainly um different than what I envisioned in terms of kind of uh importing my hockey my my hockey skills here but it's a unique market and I, I try to work in the the Minnesota charm as much as possible there's a lot of us yeah. down here believe it or not
0: Oh, I believe it. And I've also seen that the crowd is going to be very largely purple in Las Vegas and uh, a lot of folks going to be coming to where I'm going to be staying, which is at Circa. We're going to be having the party there Friday night. And it sounds like the whole town is going to be painted purple. Let's start there with the Raiders. What a, how weird is it when you have home field that is never home field? I mean, because yeah. it seems like this is everybody's destination. And I know Mark Davis said something about this last year, like he kind of doesn't like that about it. But my guy, you moved your team to Las Vegas. What did you think exactly was going to happen here?
1: Well, the thing is, too, as we've already kind of touched down, this is, uh, this is a town that likes winter. And so it's harder for people to get themselves to the arenas, to the stadiums when you're not putting a product on the field that seems worthy of people holding onto those tickets. Cause you know, times are hard. The economy is tough and it's especially tough in a, in a town like this. It's very transient. And so outside of the couple of New York games that they've had this season, it's been a largely visitor crowd, and and it's certainly weird when you when you have like the sea of red they had a couple of weeks ago with with the Kansas City Chiefs. Or I think the game that was most apparent to me is when the Pittsburgh Steelers were in town because they travel very well. I think it was the first time they were playing in Vegas, just like Minnesota. And everybody wants to be part of that first impression and see what it's all about. And I think one of my colleagues, Arash, wrote an article a few weeks ago that I think put it so succinctly: is that uh, Legion stadium has become like a brothel for all NFL fandoms. And I'm like, as, as shock value as thats and isn't, you're just like, that doesn't seem very nice, but I mean, Vegas is here to provide a certain experience for people, right? Like this is an experience town. We're here to create that bubble for you. And that includes the fan bases. And so we hate to see the color differentiation, but we love it when the cash is checked. So, you know, And that's what Mark Davis seems to have in terms of his mindset, too. And it's hard not to blame him considering where this team has been uh, financially before they arrived here. It hasn't worked out better. As as weird as it is to not have the home stadium every week and as they start winning, that will happen. But they're selling, and that's what's important.
0: Well, when they start winning is another discussion to have. Uh, So tell me where this team is at, because – Anybody who saw the Josh McDaniels experience in Denver could have seen the Josh McDaniels experience coming. But the other part of it, too, is everybody is now claiming that they wanted C.J. Stroud. And I remember going into this offseason thinking that the Raiders were at the top of the list. You move on from Derek Carr, good move, and we've seen what he's done or hasn't done in New Orleans. Now draft a quarterback, trade up, get Anthony Richardson, get C.J. Stroud, and profit from there. And that doesn't end up working out. Their draft pick this year has been horrendous, uh, and then that's mean. Uh, He's it's,
1: figuring it out, okay? Just give him some time. Call me, maybe. Just uh, all this instant <laughs> gratification—you got to succeed right away. I mean, just give the kid some time.
0: Okay, all right, but he has less than ten QB pressures on the season, which is not very good uh, so far. Tyree Wilson, but. They don't trade for a quarterback, or they don't trade up to draft a quarterback. They go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now it, it all seems like it's kind of messy. Antonio Pierce is in there. Like, where do you look at this franchise? Sort of a, from a global perspective.
1: Man, uh, I can attack that question from uh, a bunch of different ways, and I'll save the Josh McDaniels stuff kind of in the back because I want to start with the the draft thinking around last year because that's really when I started on Raider Nation Radio. Was the week leading up to the draft, and so i was like what a baptism for me, but. Um, you know, the Raiders are absolutely one of those teams that is searching for that franchise quarterback. If you don't have the answer, you're searching for that answer. And my argument around that time last year is that, I mean, you could go up and trade a ton of capital for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever you want to go take. But the rest of this roster is not ready to support such a talent. And I'm I'm a huge believer in sitting quarterbacks through their first year. Like I, I think that that allows them to learn how to be a professional, learn the offense. It doesn't open them up as much to, well, our offensive line sucks. So now I'm going to get the yips because I'm being chased all around. And so I personally wanted them to go out and get get Christian Gonzalez, like, or a Devin Witherspoon or something like that. I was more cornerback, but you know, it's either cornerback or edge rusher. And the more valuable of the two, they went out and got Tyree Wilson. A lot of people will always go back and say, why didn't you take Jalen Carter? Why didn't you take Jalen Carter? We all see, we see what he's doing. And there's a different sensitivity in this town to certain things that have gone off in, in, in Jalen Carter's personal life. And I think it's the best place for him because he's surrounded by his guys. The Georgia 2.0 is in Philadelphia. And I think you need to be supported by the best people around you. And the Raiders were not that team for whatever quarterback they could have drafted in the first round. A lot of people saying, well, we, we should have had, we could have taken CJ Stroud and he would be great here. I go, Are you taking what CJ Stroud has accomplished with, coach Ryans and then just automatically assuming that would have happened here in Las Vegas under Josh McDaniels, under Antonio Pierce, under anybody, because this is an organization still trying to do the right thing all the time, you know, and, 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 and not have so many self-inflicted wounds. And so I think the potential of picking a quarterback and having a self-inflicted wound of setting him up for a really bad start to his career I, I wanted the defense to get better and they have this season. Like it, it's ridiculous how weird this team is considering how much money they've spent on the offensive side of the ball and how little they have to show for it. Because the main strength of this team is the defense. And that started out early in the season because whoever runs this offense, Josh McDaniels, Bo Hardigree, they can't stay on the field for more than six snaps at a time. Like it's a challenge. And so I think when it comes to McDaniels um, expectation, I'm one of the, the, the people that believes that people can change and get better. And you would think 10 years, maybe he's, he's taken some notes, but I just don't know if he has the social acumen to really connect with people when things aren't going well. When things are when when we're winning, the X's and O's come easy. The meetings are easier. It's easier to grind. And he's never been able to get off to that start. Besides, like what six games in his first season with Denver, right? Other than that, it's been all tough sledding. And he's not a good coach in tough sledding. And so they moved on from him. I I, I commend the Raiders for doing that at the time they did. It was becoming untenable. We tell you about all the the um noise we would hear from from the nation Raider Nation. It was um it was the most joyous day that I've been part of Raider Nation Radio it was the day that Josh McDaniels was let, was let go. And before that, it was the day that Tyree Wilson, the top draft pick, first debuted at practice after spending the entire offseason with foot issues. So, like, just give the kid a second. Like, let him let him figure out his environment before we ask him to master it
0: okay fair enough but that's pretty sad though since you know exactly. you started you started uh, doing Raider Nation Radio at the draft and your best moment so far to be excited is when they fired a coach that is mm-hmm. not exactly uh, going swimmingly let me dive into McDaniels just a little bit more and what went wrong there because when he was in New England they mm-hmm. had very effective offenses and it can't be ignored that Mac Jones actually played well while he was there and since mm-hmm. Mac Jones has been horrendous maybe they had a little bit better of a team and and it feels like some people are just built to be coordinators and when there is pressure on Josh McDaniels this is also a Kevin O'Connell point by the way that Mm. Kevin O'Connell has not been broken by the amount of pressure and failures and ups and downs and everything else and maybe there's an ownership element of that as well uh, from the pressure but it seemed like the key to being a good coach is not just do they punt on fourth down did they make the right play call at the right time that's all important but the management of human beings. There is no better example to point to of how good Kevin O'Connell is at it than to say, look at that guy and look at Josh McDaniels.
1: It's all about communication. And when I, like so many of people, uh, Vikings fans, witnessed what O'Connell was able to accomplish with Dobbs in that Arizona game where you have no preparation. This is just straight up, how do I communicate to you person to person in the next 25 seconds before the the ears go out. And I think what he did was such a masterful job that shows that in the moments that are necessary, all the frills can go and I can get to you directly, but the way that he's connected with that roster. And I, of course I'm not nearly as plugged in as I was when I was living there, but it seems like this team wants to fight for him. This team wants to play hard for him and the people that he's entrusted in leadership, be that Kirk, be that Harrison Smith, you know, some of these guys that have been around for a very long time, but the proof is in the pudding. And last year, he made a great first impression. No matter how many people say that they overperformed and the statistical anomaly that they were, that the Raiders were on the opposite spectrum for in terms of one-score one, one score games, that, that still is going to buy you a lot of time and a lot of good faith with your stars, especially with, like, the Justin Jeffersons. And just, I, I don't think that faith was ever, true, like, lost by Mc, by McDaniels. It just seemed like he always went to the same places to look for an answer. And that's where I really started questioning him early on in the season and his malleability. Cause the metaphor I use is that you're on, you're in the ocean, you're swimming, you get caught in a riptide, right? Do you, how do you get out of it? Well, you swim sideways to the, the beach, right? You don't swim against it. You don't swim with it. Cause it's either going to take you out to the ocean or you're going to die. Cause there's no way that you're ever going to be sw- swim better than the actual riptide. And he just, there wasn't that imagination, that hard left turn where we're just going to try something that typically we wouldn't, typically that doesn't fit our personality. And I'm still searching for that kind of imagination with the current offensive regime because with a new quarterback that's not Jimmy Garoppolo, it's a rookie QB. They've had they have this kid handcuffed, and I I, I truly believe it, that you need to let him air it out and all those people that do have chances because if you're playing scared if you're playing too conservative you're not truly giving yourself a chance to win and when you're playing opponents like Miami and Kansas City like they have the last couple weeks you need to be all out aggressive because you're working with the deficiency that you're usually not in terms of talent or execution or whatever they're they're here we're here so you need to give yourself every chance to go after that and Josh McDaniels uh would would kick field goals when he would go when he should have gone for it on fourth down or he would uh, give a, another chance to Josh Jacobs and run it up the middle after it had it work two times before the two drives prior, and so they're still searching for that. But that's where you have to take it with a grain of salt because Josh McDaniels is the one that implemented the system. And now he's not gone; he's not here anymore. You have to still roll with that because you can't just change that mid-year. I mean, it's it's football; it's too complicated.
0: So they're just going to roll with Aiden O'Connell for the rest of the way, sort of mm-hmm. hell or high water, right? And uh, you describe this offense; it sounds miserable to watch, and the production hasn't been very good. Aiden O'Connell's numbers haven't been very good, and they're going to go up against a Brian Flores defense in what is more or less a home game uh, for Brian Flores's defense. It seems. Uh, hopefully, uh, the green dots on the defensive side can yell loud, or is preparing for that to communicate with the defense because it's going to be loud in there when o O'Connell, Aiden O'Connell is on the field. Uh, Do do you give them any chance to move the ball against this Vikings defense? I mean, the defense has taken a a big step forward, but uh, Devontae Adams is still on the football team. It just seems like he's not, he's just not able to have any impact despite how good he is
1: his efficiency has gone down every season that he's been here. Like there is, he, he had a lot of records and career best last season with Derek Carr. But if you look at the completions versus the actual targets, the efficiency was not great. And it's even worse this year. And there's the Devonte Adams. Everything has been such a, a fascinating narrative all season, because when you have a talent like that, you can't, not go to them, right? It's like not throwing to justice Jefferson. Like, what are you doing? Why are you paying them to be here? And then they'll go and they'll do like five straight looks to him. And then they won't look at him until the fourth quarter. And and that was true in the early goings of the season. And it's semi-true now, but he's still getting the targets. He's still, uh, I, I think, the, the wide receiver, most targeted in the red zone. I think he's top four overall in the league uh, for targets. But in terms of the actual catches, they're not there. And so a few weeks ago... Aiden was was going, de- going deep, and he missed him like three or four times against the Dolphins, just a little bit too far. Aiden's still figuring out like that touch pass where it's not just – he's good at the lasers. He just – when you're trying to lob it it, it, it gets to be a little bit more of an adventure. And there's been a few plays where uh. there should be a flag, and there's not, just like any other receiver. But, um, you know, if I'm him, I'm really taking a long, hard look at the situation that they're in. And the thing is is that the Raiders are still a favorable place for him to be in terms of proximity to his family. The contract's pretty good. He has a seat at the table here. You know, I, I have correspondence that he was he's been part of all of the discussions of every move that's been made this season. Like he's been looped in on that before they've been announced to the public. And that's not something that gets extended to every player. and And he's earned that. he 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 works his ass off of him and Max Crosby are our two sides of the same coin. Uh, And and so I think that gives him pause, but at the same time, you see what old besties doing. You see how friendly he was on the sidelines with the jets receivers core. You see that anybody would maybe want to solidify their legacy a little bit more with the ring. And I don't know if that's the long-term option here at the Raiders, but the thing is, is that because they ate their vegetables last year at the draft and they, and we'll see how those draft picks turn out, but you kept some money to invest in, different aspects of your defense, like in the Roberts Spillanes. Now you're in a situation where with the right quarterback, with the right draft pick, you could have one of those very quick turnarounds we've seen. But that's the ultimate question with the Raiders. Can you pick the right people?
0: Folks, is there any better way to spend the holidays than attending sports? Knowing you guys, I'm guessing the answer is no. Well, there is a way to get to all of the events that you want to get to during the holiday season with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out the Game Time app. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets to everything sports and also much, much more shows, concerts, all on game time. One of the cool parts about game time is that they have flash deals on last minute tickets and a low price guarantee. Which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 110%. You also get images of your seat location, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds. Have them arrive right to your phone It's great. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Usually no. Usually, uh, no. the answer is definitely usually been no, uh, really yeah. since the the John Gruden era, but actually for almost ever since Rich Gannon was a, uh, yeah. a Oakland Raider. But the Devonte Adams situation is interesting to me because if there's one way the Vikings lose the football game, it's that guy catches like 15 passes, and it's been I'd a be while. Right? If he
1: got 15, <laughs> targets, Matthew, I'd be right. shocked. It's not going to happen. What I like to describe this offense is it's all string, no threads. All string, no threads. This works for a second, then we move away from it. Or we just three and out, three and out. There's like four three and outs per game. And so there's just not enough snaps to go around. Not 15.
0: Yeah, well, right. If you have three and outs, then you're not getting very many opportunities. I, I guess I was just thinking of, and not that Aiden O'Connell can be Justin Herbert, of course, but the one way they've gotten beat is you know by a number one wide receiver, like Cortland Sutton mosses them at the end mm-hmm. of the game. Keenan Allen goes absolutely crazy uh, in the Los Angeles uh, uh, Chargers game. And maybe that's a thing because the cornerbacks, I think have been vastly improved, but is there anyone who can really hang with Devontae Adams play after play after play? But then again, it's all about the quarterback sort of like if you had Larry Fitzgerald for those years where they were in between quarterbacks and it Mm -hmm. was such a struggle uh, out there. What what happened with with Jacobs? I mean, because you know they had the whole contract situation, and yeah. it has just been a terrible season for him.
1: Yeah, I really think him missing training camp put them behind the eight ball. And whoever side was in the wrong, whatever, who cares? Because the result is you didn't get the reps necessary, and you're starting um, with rust when everybody else is hitting their stride or at least that's the idea when the season starts because i know that the nfl is always so messy for so many weeks but when you don't have that integration with the offensive line which has taken a step back from last season or last season the offensive line just overachieved so we thought it was fine so they didn't really address it in the off season because they just assume well we'll keep building we'll, we'll continue that progression or we'll at least be there but the thing is everybody knows that josh Jacobs is really running really good at running the football so they started stacking the box. It's, a, it's the easiest thing to do as a defender. And then when you add that, in addition to the lack of integration on the offensive side, he wasn't hitting holes. There weren't any holes to hit. He was getting caught up in the backfield. That's where this inconsistency in the offense is so hard to really articulate to other people and to understand what's going wrong. Cause so many things go wrong. Like there's no threat. Like there's he'll run it to the right side and, and for one series, he'll be amazing. And then the next two quarters, he won't be able to even uh, fight for two yards. Like with with Jacobs, he's so much better with his with his feet under him. Like if he's falling forward too much, I don't think he's the most well balanced of running backs. But he's really good at reading things and finding those those spots to be slippery in. And I just don't think he's having the same. Um, ease that he was last season and when that running game goes and we rely too much on the pass and the passing game's not working and so it's the catalyst for everything right the running game and so they, they keep trying to feed him and that doesn't work and then they brought once McDaniels was let go they tried doing more zone run concepts which certainly worked there's been moments he's he's ripped off a couple of, of long runs but at the same time just with the lack of efficiency with this offense you have to just keep trusting it until it works. Well that's the only answer we're ever working to. And the first time we get there is in the third quarter. And so it's like we gotta there has to be a different way. And not to completely abandon the run because there's some stat out there that maybe they're 10 and one, 11 and one or something when he gets twenty carries. Like it's it, until a couple weeks ago they had won every game that he had gotten at least twenty carries in. And so that's why it's like, well we, we try moving everything over here. We hope it works. And then they're like Oh, but it's over here. Here's the problem. Like, okay, we move it here. And it's I I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand it because he's he's fresh, he's he's still young, he he's a churner, but he just hasn't had a lot of space to fight for those extra yards and get that confidence this year.
0: Right. And if there's nothing there for him and nobody has to be that concerned about him, then you really don't have to be concerned that much about Aiden O'Connell. You're putting Aiden O'Connell in a lot of unfavorable situations and then it all tumbles down to your offense stinks. Uh, but what's ironic and almost a sick joke is that the Raiders have a pretty decent defense. I was even going into this game thinking, oh, this is great for Josh Dobbs because he's going to start this week. Kevin O'Connell announced that today, and we already pretty much figured that out. And, okay, well, this is good because you're going to play the Raiders. That's always a get-right game for a quarterback and so forth. And then I started pulling up the numbers, and I was like, oh, um, Wow, they're Look actually out. right. They're actually not a bad defense. It's much closer overall to an average defense. And considering that they haven't gotten any favors from the offense and are on the field a lot, But Max Crosby is one of the top, what, five, three rushers in the entire NFL. That can be a problem. Uh, And then you have a more complete and playmaking defense than they have had since, again, I don't even know. Like, it's been a really long time since they haven't ranked, like, 28th and everything. What's been the turnaround there?
1: Uh, It's it's, – you could probably source it to the linebacker group, uh, being the most boom – for, for the buck because at every level this defense needs to get better at the line, in the underneath, and in the secondary. And what the Raiders have, have done that a lot of teams have done in terms of, well, how do we strategically go about this? They're going to keep the top on, so you're not going to get a lot of deep plays, but the underneath is where you can eat. And that's where it's kind of weird to say that's where the linebacker strength is because they're not a great tackling unit. But hopefully that changes because the cornerback unit has gone through a lot of of, of, of new faces just in the last couple of weeks as they cut Marcus Peters. They traded a few weeks prior for for Jack Jones from the Patriots. And then they have Amik Robertson, who's made a couple of big-time interceptions, who's always been basically the fourth guy in the rotation, and then rookie Ja'Cory Bennett, who I, I think has done pretty well considering he's a late-round pick at a cornerback. All those guys, I've seen the, the Zimmer picks and the handsy penalties for years. He doesn't really get into that. But in terms of that defense, like I said, you're not going to get the big plays. you can eat underneath, but then when you get in the red zone, there's gonna be hell to pay. There's been so many instances where I'm like that should be six points, that should be six points, and it's zero or three. And that keeps it you know palatable for this Raiders offense. It just seems like every, I, I created this new statistic that's called the CMR. It's the collective momentum rating because so many people tell me momentum isn't real. And what I do is I, I measure just the swings. Like if the defense goes out there and forces a three and out with a sack on the third down, I'm going to award them like a point and a half. And then it's the offense's turn to see, can you match the energy? Can you raise the bar? And what you want is high scores for both sides and very little gap between the two. Cause that means both of them are executing at a high level and nobody's lopsided. It's so lopsided every, every freaking week, the defense it is up there and a lot of it has to do with the relentlessness of Crosby He's, he's hobbled right now. He's dealing with a little bit of a knee injury, so he's going to probably take more of the outside edge routes because it's the right knee that he's having trouble with. But, man, that, that swim move that he has is deadly. He, he's mastered every single move, but the swim one, I think, is his most effective. Uh, but the rest of that line is kind of we'll see, right? Malcolm Coons can get in your face a little bit, but the interior pressure has been something – uh, to be desired. Sometimes they can be mashed at the line of scrimmage in the running game if you're starting to get that thing going, and that's why I think the Vikings, like I'm sure every mandate for each game, don't turn the ball over because like you can once you get things going, you can get things done with ease. But they they're opportunistic. They can turn that ball over, especially Robert Spillane. He he got a opportunity with this team. He was kind of waiting in the wings with Pittsburgh. They give him the full uh use of the ranch here antonio pierce wants to build the defense around him like that's how how well he's played that's the type of spirit he plays with and so but the tackling that's the big question mark but you're gonna have to be accurate and we know that that's a question with the minnesota vikings
0: Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year, but if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. prizepickscom purple. Go there, use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like Prizepicks: it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick and easy and then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either you can turn ten dollars into 250 by nailing just a couple of picks so go to prizepicks.com purple the code purple daily fantasy sports made easy It is. And you mentioned not turning the ball over. That is a problem as well. And with Josh Dobbs, he's being pulled in lots of different directions where they're asking him to play with rhythm and timing, but also make plays off of schedule, but also don't ever turn the ball over. Don't take too many risks, but also get some explosive plays. And uh, that's what you run into when you're dealing with a backup quarterback. Um, so that with any given Sunday with him, you could turn the ball over four times as we've seen, or he can make plays out of structure and win the game. That's where it's hard to figure out. Uh, let's talk about the vibes and then I want to get your take on on the Vikings mm-hmm. as uh, from uh, your perspective. Yeah. From a from afar but also uh, fairly recently a uh, near. Um but uh the vibes. Let's talk about the vibes. The Vikings were riding high after they beat New Orleans and 3 quarters of the way through Denver, they're thinking we're going to do something that's very hard to do in the NFL, which is survive losing our started quarterback. Here we come postseason. We could be dangerous. Everybody watch out. Then Alexander Madison fumbles. Dobbs throws a pick. They lose to Denver. And all of a sudden you go, oh, wait, uh-oh. Here's some other teams coming for us. But all we have to do is beat Chicago. Everything will be fine. And then we know what happened. Uh-huh. So the vi- yeah. the vibes are very tight. The vibes are very tense of like, is our season going to fall apart with a loss mm-hmm. to this horse bleep Raiders team that fired his coach? I mean, that has to be how they feel coming into this. But at the same time, the Raiders are almost playing with nothing to lose and they're playing for Antonio Pierce and the, and just like him as a coach and so forth. Like I don't ever like a team going to face somebody that fired their coach. Cause it's almost like they don't care. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's right. been the case. It's almost like we got nothing to lose. Like we'll just take some shots and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think there's a lot of care in that locker room and there's a lot of fight for Antonio Pierce. And I think just the pride and as much as, it would be easy for the a lot of the Raiders to just kind of mail it in and just kind of get better for the rest of the year. I think because, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it's been so bad that there is, like, a toothed pursuit of trying to figure out, like, we're better than this. Like, this shouldn't be this hard. We should be answering the first respectable defense they've had in this organization for years. Like, I think there, there's that pursuit – and that want to show that we don't belong at the bottom of every explosive offense statistic list, right? Like they're even worse than the Patriots, like in every single statistical category. And so, but it was weird at, you know, going into the bye and losing to the chiefs because for, for as, as difficult of a year, this has been for the Raiders. It's also a measuring stick to just see how, how far behind are we? And they have closed the gap in, in some areas to Kansas city, except for the most important position, but then, when they lose, even though you had a chance to win, I don't think people were pissed off. I don't think people were sad. I don't. I think people were just like, "Yeah, we just played and we lost." And so, that searching—that's—that's that's what I'm looking for because the pursuit is all that matters. It's all that matters. All that matters in life is that you try. The results don't, as as much as the the sports world tries to make us think. And so, um, and they still technically have a chance. And so I I. I I would expect a a hard game, especially with characters like Max Crosby. When when he is going out there, working as hard as he does, being in the hospital with a potential, like, infection in his leg, shouldn't be playing. Like, how do you you show up and half-ass with somebody on that sideline that's fighting for every down? Like, it's literally his life is on the line. And so I, I think that's there. But as the game goes on, if success isn't found, lethargy can set in. But that's human nature.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think they're scrappy. Like if they if Josh McDaniels was their – yeah, right. If Josh McDaniels was their coach, I'd be like, all you have to do is get like a seven-point lead and this thing will be over because they're going to okay. give up on their coach. And we kind of saw that even in Atlanta a little bit where the Falcons got punched in the face by Josh Dobbs and you saw them sort of be like, wait, what what is going on here? Like Josh Dobbs is beating us and what are we going to do? And they panicked right. a bit. I don't think that the Raiders will do that as much with Antonio Pierce. I think that they're going to dig in and they're also looking for reasons to feel good about themselves. And there's a lot of players that are looking for reasons to be here in the future as they're going to have decisions Mm -hmm. to make on the roster. So even though the Vikings should win this game, uh, that that's where my one hesitation is now your view on the Vikings. There's really one big question here because the roster has been rebuilt pretty well. And you have mm-hmm. Josh Dobbs looking like he could maybe potentially be like a bridge quarterback or a backup in the future. But I think we know that franchise quarterbacks probably not in the cards. What What do you think about the quarterback situation long term, Lindsay? Oh, God.
1: Well, I know that there has been a lot of steam and and probably not revisionist history, but Maybe we didn't get off to the best mindset when it comes to Kirk Cousins. I think that Netflix documentary series did more for him than any amount of football he's ever played. Um, because he there is something to be said about somebody that is willing to take it on the chin every time and keep trying. But I, this team at some point has to suck. Like At some point, you have to be okay with, Letting things fall by the wayside. And as you said, they've built up like the fact they have an offensive line. Like, what the hell, Matthew? Like, where was this a few years ago? Where was this a decade ago? I mean, this is what we've been asking for. And so they're in line like everybody else to go get that franchise quarterback. And at some point, you're gonna have to take that shot. And I'm not super familiar with what they're working with, capital-wise, like draft pick-wise, if you're trying to trade up into this top you know, seven, it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost a lot. And so I, I caution teams that, to do that unless they're sniffing within probably like the top 12, I always say Raiders get in the top 10. Cause then you can take one uh, less first round pick to trade up, right? Cause you're already in that favorable position. So I, I don't know, haven't they kind of played themselves out of that conversation for this year? And if it's not this year, when you take a chance, don't you go for another bridge and if you're going for a bridge, is Kirk the right guy like versus somebody else that doesn't know the offense. I mean, what about Justin? Like what does Justin Jefferson want? Like, you know, like there's so many, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not really sure the direction this team is heading right now. Cause they would think, well, they're going to take a step back this year and they did for a while. But then they won all these games.
0: Right. and, it might depend on what happens next because if they mm. lose this game and then go to Cincinnati and lose to Jake Browning, well, you should start Jaron Hall the rest of the way yeah. and then try to end up with the highest draft pick or find something in Jaron Hall. But if you win these next two games, then it's fight for, tooth and nail for the playoffs and we'll deal with what's next when it comes next. But also if they play well enough, that probably means Dobbs was good enough to believe in him as a quarterback that could get you to the playoffs as a bridge while you draft someone. It's like, this is a choose your own adventure game and we don't know where these different paths are going to follow, you know, follow down.
1: And we're going to have new paths that we typically don't because the quarterback carousel is uh, a growingly fascinating thing every year, but now there's a new edge to the market. It's not just your your savvy vets that are that are going to be that bridge quarterback. It's not just your young draft picks. Now you have guys like Justin Fields and Mac Jones that are just kind of coming off of their rookie deals. We're not really sure because the organization hasn't treated them right, and so there, there's a there's a certain strategy that you can go where you kind of expedite finding that future piece like is Justin Fields the type of guy that you'd say you know what in this organization he would be a completely different person it would be like we drafted him and he developed here. like we could do that and not even go in the draft and keep some of that capital and develop it that way and so with teams like the Minnesota Vikings teams like the the Las Vegas Raiders they're going to be dabbling in that new tertiary quarterback market because you're not really sure you're you know where you want to go but you're not sure how fast you want to get there
0: Right. There's only a few different ways to go about this. Uh, just in general, like you either go after a veteran quarterback or that would be Kirk bringing him back. Presumably it wouldn't be anyone else unless someone like the Raiders or like uh, Atlanta offers Kirk $50 million a year, and then he goes there, and then you can either look at other veterans, you could try to draft someone, start them right away, and assume that Jefferson and Addison are going to raise the level of that guy's play and the offensive line. You can, as you said, look for some other quarterback that somebody discarded that you want to bring in, uh you can i mean you could do all of them <laughs> i mean it's uh, yeah. it is and they very well uh just might so it is very much up in the air and i don't know what way it's going to play out before we uh wrap up though since you do hail from minnesota and spent uh so much time talking minnesota sports you have to tell me who were your favorite players when you were here who did you enjoy the most watching the minnesota vikings before uh you left
1: uh, Daniil Hunter is my first and foremost. I've had his jersey uh, for years. I picked up on him when I was still in my Madden playing days, and because I, I I really only understood the, the the defensive. I'm like, get to quarterback fast, spin, and so I. Always, and he he was really successful at it, despite not being uh, the most well known of names. And so '99 is uh, near and dear to my heart for sure. I loved Eric Kendricks. Uh, it's at least I get to see him twice a year now that he's with with the Chargers. But uh those two on the defense were certainly my my two favorites and what I look back and ever since Griffin days, right? We all go back to like twenty seventeen and and uh those are some good times.
0: Yeah, no for sure. Uh well, not surprising that a former goalie would focus on the defensive side uh hey, of the ball. I have all a right. brand. You certainly do. Uh what's the biggest difference between living in Minnesota and living in Las Vegas? Other than the Yards. weather. The weather is the weather is obvious.
1: Yards. I, I I will never ever take for granted going home to Minnesota on a plane ever again, especially during the summertime, because of all the green, you'd be surprised how much just grass adds to the overall vibe because here you don't water the grass because there's whole, there's not a lot of water to go around. And so every house is this far apart and they all look the same because they're all building right now. And so there's a lot of character and personality that, is different, or at least it's located down on the strip. But the one thing that Vegas has that Minnesota can't touch, we got mountains here. I'm like, I'll take mountains any, any day of the week. The hiking here is unbelievable. And so I miss it though. I miss the green. I don't miss the cold. I don't,
0: I, cold. I don't imagine anyone that leaves no. ever does ever does miss the cold, but uh, for some people, 110 degrees is a little excessive, but uh, you know, you it's do, Minnesota okay,
1: reverse no. winter. You just don't <laughs> go outside. I, I I have good practice.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Lindsay, I'm, I'm super happy for you uh, with the success that you've had out in Vegas with your media career. Uh, just uh, to give myself complete credit for your success. Uh, I remember when you first were, were working your way up that uh, Judd Zolgad and I kept pounding the table for more airtime mm-hmm. for you. So I'm glad that you've gotten it out there and had success. So happy for you. I'm just kidding about giving myself credit. That's, you it's No, it's a hundred,
1: it's a hundred percent true. I met <laughs> a lot of great people at, at, uh, during that time and, and Judd and you and, and Brendan, you all, you all pushed me to where I am today. And so I, I so appreciate the invitation. Uh, you're the first person to ask me to talk about football at this level. So I'm like, I'm in the club now. But uh, I, I miss you guys, and I'm so happy for all the things that you've been able to accomplish with with your publication. It's great, and uh, you you deserve the space. You're too good to to keep out of the press room.
0: Well, I appreciate that, and uh, we'll get together when I'm out there in Vegas. So oh, thanks yes. for doing this, Lindsay.
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs>